Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone, and it's AAC Championship Week. It is Crosstown Shootout Week. I don't know how long my voice is going to last, so Dave is going to be doing a lot of talking today. But we've arrived, Dave. It is December, and it is a huge week for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yeah, we're here. We, we, we got to where everyone hoped we would be. And, it's, you know, it's championship Saturday. And the Bearcats are uh, playing for a possible trip to Dallas and the Cotton Bowl. So, you know, I think most, if not all, of us would think that this so far has been successful. And now it's time to finish it out. Of course, you can catch Saturday's AAC championship game and the Crosstown shootout at Taft's Brewporium. Our fine friends at Taft's are running another. We've changed up the special a little bit, Dave. So, if you're wearing UC gear, got to be UC gear. Can't just be red and black. Got to be UC gear. $5 beers throughout the game for anybody wearing a, a UC shirt. And then they have a group special, four pints of beer and a large specialty pizza for 40 bucks. You got to order that all at once, claim it all at once. But I know that generally every table I see there has a large specialty pizza and four pints of beer on it. So those are the specials for this week for the AAC championship game. They will have the game on. They will have the shootout on. Go there. Check it out. It should be an excellent time. Once again, thanks to our friends at Taft's and Taft's Brewporium. All right, Dave, let's let's unpack. We got some things to unpack. Um, yeah, for sure. First off, Evan Prater, Mr. Football. How about that? About damn time. First time and, since 1992, Mr. Football. Very, 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 very well-deserving. How about this? I talked to Evan. And he told me that they informed him unanimous decision. There was no uh, there was no funny business from around the state pulling for this guy, pulling for that guy. All the voters said Evan Prater is the best football player in the state of Ohio. Evan Prater is Mr. Football. That's stunning based on yeah. the way this thing has gone for – you know, <laughs> the better part of our lives. That's how good Evan Prater is. Right? Yeah. He's been, you know, and it's not a, not supposed to be a career, career achievement award. And he was outstanding this year on, on its own. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they could have given it to anybody else. I'm just glad that they, finally made uh, made a Cincinnati guy Mr. Football. I'm sure there have been some others. Jeremy Larkin comes to mind that, that probably should have won the award as well. But uh, big, big congrats. Huge honor. Um, we will, we'll see Evan, the U.S. Army All-American game. Uh, I think that's Maybe a couple of days after New Year's, January 4th, something like that, yeah, whatever that so. Saturday is. 
after New Year's, so that'll be a you know big moment for him on NBC. Lots, you know, get to compete against all the top players across the country. So you know, the accolades keep piling up. How about how about these for numbers, Dave? Five thousand six hundred ninety-nine yards passing, seventy-two touchdown passes. 4,124 yards rushing, 74 rushing touchdowns. He accounted for 146 touchdowns in his high school career. He went 40-2. and two. He won a state championship as a junior. His only two losses, uh, one was in what, the state finals, and the other was in the state semifinals. Those are the only two losses in his high school career. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And. Let, let, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say last week when they when they announced him as the co off Division Four Offensive Player of the Year, I was like, he's not going to get Mister Football because who the heck could possibly be sharing the Division Four Player of the Offensive Player of the Year award with him? Like Mister Football, some five eight quarterback from uh, North Northern Ohio. Um, I'm sure the kid's fantastic. He doesn't even have a 24-7 profile. But I was like, if he's sharing this with the, in Division Four, they're not going to give him Mr. Football. So I'm glad that that did not, uh, did not come true. Congrats to Evan. I talked to him today. We've got a story up on the front page. Check that out. Very cool. Um, just a, a kid I love talking to also more than anything. He gets it. He's humble. He he has a good time with it. He has an appreciation for what he's meant to his community, which I think a lot of kids, uh, instead of having an appreciation and, and really enjoying it, they take advantage of it and, and, you know, do ill will of what, what they become when they become a, a kid that has gotten to the level that Evan has gotten. And he doesn't do that, man. He, he stays around on the field after games Running, uh, running sprints with you know seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and buys into the whole you know the next generation's looking up to you. Right. Be good, to, be good to them, and it can mean a lot. I mean, you remember that when you were little, and you're you know you remember the guys that played high school football, and when they were jerks, like it, it had an impact on you. When they were, they were cool, it had an impact on you. And, and Evan makes a great impact on all the people around him. So, kudos to Evan. Well done. Uh, I don't want to say too much on this, but my uh, I've got the oven preheating for tomorrow, by the way. Oh. Might, might, might be baking something. Something baking. Oh, a little chocolate chip action. I didn't say that. I just said, I got, you know, I got something. I might put something in the oven tomorrow. All right, all right. Stay tuned. Um, I would. Other, I do think we should mention also Deshaun Pace. Yes, no, there's a Nicole lot. To Rain, yeah. Division one co defensive play defensive player of the year. Uh, several guys on the division. You know the all state second team. Several guys with special mentions. I mean this this class. You know specifically in Ohio is probably, you know, 
these things don't tra- necessarily translate at all to college, but this is probably, you know, the most decorated class that, that we've ever seen come through. And you get Mr. Football, you get the Division One Defensive Player of the Year, um, you get several other Division One first teamers, you get Division Three first team, Division Two, like it's, it, the whole class is scattered on on these on these lists. So it's uh, it's a big time deal for these guys, and and projects does project well just based on a talent standpoint that they can hopefully you know develop and and be great players for UC down the line. Maybe another Mr. Football finalist tomorrow. I've said too much. <laughs> I've said too much. Um, the, the one that really stood out for me out of all that stuff that was announced today, Dante Corleone. Second team all state. Second team all state is defensive tackle. Like that doesn't happen a whole lot, right? That's a spot that you got to develop. You got to be physically ready for that. And, uh, one, if you've seen Dante Corleone. That kid's physically he's, developed. He's he is physically developed. <laughs> he is a monster. He looks bigger than some of the guys that are already playing defensive line and, and doing a very high-level job of it at the University of Cincinnati. But I was... Uh, yeah, he's, he's a big boy. I was taken back by that, seeing him. I thought maybe special, you know, honorable mention, and then jump up the list next year. But uh, to see him as a, as a second-teamer already, he's set to be a first-team All-State guy as a senior. Oh, and yeah, because, I, I mean, I think a lot of the time those lists, you know, you, they're definitely senior-heavy. And, yeah, you know, you got to be a pretty big, pretty special junior to get a, to get a first-team uh, nod. Yes, very much so. In the trenches, more so than anything. I mean, let's see. <laughs> yeah, because you mean, if you're, you know, a lot of the times, if you're a skill guy and you're the, you're the team's best player, and you touch the ball all the time, you can put up right. some some ridiculous numbers. I mean, you know, it, it's always a question how some you know stats like tackles and stuff like that is kept on the on the high school level. So for him to to show enough to get that, you know, honor when, you know, you know, he's not, you know, racking up a ton of tackles from the defensive line spot. And he's, I mean, I've, I only watched him play a half of football against elder and I mean, they were double teaming him on every play and still having a hard time blocking him. So I can only imagine what he's done to some of the, the lesser teams that Coleraine played this year. The only other underclassman, first or second team on the defensive line, Jack Sawyer from Pickerington North. Yeah, he's the number one player in the country. That's the the company Dante Corleone is with on this All-State list. It's pretty good. And then also on that second team, Justin Wadley. That duo is going to be big time. Sorry, I want to make sure that people that I'm correct. Jack Sawyer is the number three player in the country. 
Get it right, Dave. In, in, in the 2021 class, likely has committed to, committed to Ohio State. But yeah, that's why so, he's a first-team All-Stater. There's your, there's your first-team defensive, two-year defensive lineman. The number I, three, 24-7 sports player in the country, and Dante Corleone. Yes, the two best young defensive linemen in the state of Ohio. Um, let's move on to the college football playoff news from last night. I think it was as good a news as humanly possible for the Cincinnati Bearcats. They fell one spot from 19 to 20. Boise State did move ahead of them. But that means Cincinnati's very much alive for the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, it's it's funny that it's that our loss to Ohio State and then what we've done the rest of the way is propping Ohio State up and also helping UC. Yeah. Because if you look at these other, the way these other rankings go, like UC lost and only dropped one spot. And other teams, when they lose, they drop significant spots. I mean, like American teams. Five, and all the lot of teams, yeah. not just. But especially it's an SEC thing, right? It's an SEC conspiracy thing right now because they're like, look at them. They only dropped UC one. Wisconsin went all the way up here from beating Minnesota, and they don't want LSU to be number one. Like it's this whole. But talking specifically to UC, if I cannot imagine, I mean, and we've been wrong before, we, and with the committee. Who the heck knows? Yeah. But I, it is very hard for me to imagine UC beating Memphis and not moving ahead of Boise regardless of their result against Hawaii. From the standpoint of UC will have been canceled out there, one of their two losses, done it on the road against the 17th ranked team. Yeah. So, you know, you, you almost wash that out. Not saying that you take away the loss or the win, but you, you just say, okay, they lost, they played in the next week, and then they won. One they game shouldn't with be with the backup quarterback. One and... game shouldn't be worth more than the other, in my opinion, at this point in the season. So then you just look at it and go, okay, their only other loss is to Ohio State, who everybody else has lost to who everybody else has gotten destroyed by. So how can you not put them – Like, what else are you asking a team to do then is my question. Like, if if you're going to go, you know, 11, 12 and, or 11 and 2, but you beat the one that's the team, one team you lost to, and then your only other loss is to the number one team in the country, like – what else are they supposed to do? And how can you possibly tell me that a team that has not, let alone has not beaten a team that's been in the college football rankings, hasn't even played one? Air Force, Dave. They played Air Force. Okay, that's nice. They're not. They're not. In, they haven't been in the rankings, to my knowledge, at all. 
they're below. And they lost. And they lost to B. They lost to BYU. Yeah, I like, would take UCF ahead of Air Force. Well, UCF is ahead of Air Force in every metric that right. anyone looks at. So, I just if UC wins that game, I, I just don't see how. Like they're at twenty, Memphis is at seventeen. They can probably only really get to 17 because everybody else is done yeah. playing. And even if Wisconsin loses to Ohio State or Oregon loses to Utah, I don't know if they would drop much further than, than they are. So they would just have to basically flip-flop spots and jump one, you know, jump ahead of Boise. So I don't know. I mean – it just it tells me that the door's when they open. lost that game, when they lost that game and only moved down one spot, it tells me that there's people there saying, "If this team is still one of yeah. the three best group of five teams, and if they were to beat Memphis, then they should go." Because if they didn't think that that was the case, they would have dropped them further. Yeah, and like that's if they been just my said point that, all along. That, they could if have they ended that second loss, if, if that they could have said if that that second loss is too much, we're, right. we're going to just move them to 22-23, and, and it doesn't it. matter if if they beat Memphis, they have two losses, you know, they shouldn't you know compared to the other one loss teams, they're not on the same footing. But they didn't do that, so that tells me that they're still in the conversation to then go back up ahead of Boise if they were to win. Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati at 23 is dead in the water. They're out. And they had every chance in the world to do that and didn't. So that well, they clearly think me. losing to Ohio State is better than beating South Carolina and North Carolina Yeah, because they're still ahead of Appalachian State. Well, and I everyone, think... you know, tons of people are like, oh, my God, they beat two P5 teams on the road. One isn't even go. It went four and eight, and the other went six and six. I mean, everybody wants to give Boise and Appalachian State credit for these games, and then not even mention the the good games that the American teams play. Like that's the part that that, that gets me is like I would never, in this situation, arguing for UC to be in the playoff. I would never, or not playoff, but in the New Year's Six game. I would never even mention that they beat UCLA. And yet, we got Stuart Mandel, Cincinnati native, using Boise State's win against Florida State as a as a good thing. Like, they fired their coach in the middle of the year. Like, they were why, so bad, they couldn't wh- wait till December to get rid of him. Why? Why is that a check in the positive box for them, but... Because UCLA went four and eight, and Florida State went six and six, because they played in the ACC and played an FCS game. Like that—that's like, oh my God, we got to look at this. They beat Florida State in the first right. game of the year. Like, oh, they beat Air Force. Oh, well, UC beat UCF. They went nine and three. Air Force went ten and two. UCF is a top fifteen S and P plus team. Air Force is around forty, I think, in thirty to forty range. So, like, but no, we, UC gets no credit for beating UCF, but we're going to talk about how Boise beat Air Force. Air Force. So, 
which they're fine. They're, they're, they had a very nice year. They went 10-2. But don't use that and then ignore similar things for another team to make your point for one team when I can sit here and then turn around and go, well, what about this? I feel you. All right, let, let's get into uh, to Memphis a little bit last week. Um, overall, I thought Ben looked good. Looked a little a little shaky early, but once he uh, once he got into a rhythm, especially that second quarter, he was fantastic. He really turned it on in the second quarter. Yeah, I, I mean he he did what kind of what I expected. I mean he had his moments where you uh, where it was obvious this was his first time starting, and then he also had moments where. It's obvious that there's real talent there. Um, I think, just speaking of him specifically, the thing that I noticed the most was just like a an overall, you know, lack of pocket awareness, which only comes with experience. You can't replicate that in practice because you, you're not going to hit him, you know, and things like that. And I just think he he didn't feel pressure and he held on to the ball you know more than a couple times just a, a beat too long where an experienced player either you know throws it away knows that okay in my, my my mental clock like I should not be back here this long these guys aren't open I either got to throw it away or I got to run cuz I'm about to get hit because right. the line just isn't going to be able to protect that long so um, I think, you know, I think he got sacked five times, had three fumbles, lost one of them. Um, those are things that, you know, you just, you can't have happen if you're going to, going to win that game. Um, but you know, I didn't, the moment certainly wasn't too big for him. I would have loved to have seen him with the ball, you know, on that last drive, when they punted and unfortunately we got the, got, you know, got the penalty, but you know, I think his ceiling is still there. He's, he definitely showed he can play on, on this level. So from just the, you know, the quarterback standpoint, I was, I was pretty, pretty pleased. I mean, you know, you get frustrated, but you have to also then take into account, you know, the totality of it all and, and what's, a realistic expectation for your first first start against a team like that in that type of a situation. And against a really good D-line. Yeah, I think their D-line I think their D-line surprised you see it first. I think they made a concerted effort to use their quickness and kind of shoot gaps inside knowing that Ben wasn't a runner, so kind of that. Even though he scored on, I mean, you know, kind of that read up, that. read option, right? But they knew that that's not what he's in there to right. do. So they they took that gamble, and that's why I think the inside run game struggled. Was just they were just gonna we're gonna go hard, slant inside, try to beat the beat the lineman across their face, and if they run it in there, then we'll be there. And I think. Sometimes with the with the pass blocking too, that was an issue. But that's now where 
you know, if Dez is the starter and it sounds like he is close to or at 100%, he will be. I think that's where now they can't do that because he's much more inclined to keep it. Um, so that will be interesting to see if, how they change their defensive front and their calls for that. I think, you know, obviously the opening kickoff was just a gut punch. But I think the first quarter, it, they didn't, I, don't, I wouldn't say they surprised UC with their speed, but it seemed like we were a step slow initially and then got comfortable and got used to it. And then that's when we caught back up to 17-17. And then, you know, it was just kind of trading stuff and just could never get, you know, over the hump when when we would get it to three, it would stretch back out to ten, and we just kind of went back and forth from that regard. But I think you have to look at it as, okay, they probably, I wouldn't say emptied the playbook, but there was much more on the line for them than you see, and you kind of took their best shot right off the bat, and I think – stunned them when we didn't go away. Because I think that's the thing that they've done to a lot of teams is they've jumped on them or they've When they've made their run, it's been a killer. Right. They've traded some shots initially, like Houston hung with them a little bit. Um, But then once they get going, then they kind of just like blow that out and that didn't happen. So I think they were – like my buddy – I have a really, really good friend that's next to a Memphis fan. And he was at the game and he texted me. He's like, those 150 UC fans, they're making an awful lot of noise. <laughs> and and I think that's when it kind of did. It's that second and third quarter, I think everybody there, whether it was their players and their fans, were like, wait a second, no one's really done this. Like, when we've played good, we've buried teams. They haven't just come back and, and made a game out of it. And I would say that Memphis played pretty good. I mean, I think in their losses, they, their in their close wins against Tulsa, I think they played bad. I think they played pretty well, and so that's probably encouraging from our standpoint. Of okay, this is what they did. These are some things we can do to tweak it. I I would like to see more four man front. Agree. Uh, I thought they were too. Too many gaps in that three-man front. Too many gaps, and it surprised me that they ran Gainwell so infrequently against the three-man front. I just didn't think we got the pressure on Brady White because he's an an accurate passer, and he just had too much time on on too many throws to just stand back there and find find some open guys. They took advantage. They're very, very good at getting – finding the mismatch like that one steam route to coaxy where they got Perry young locked up on him. Right. They're, they're very good. And then when Gardner went out for a couple of plays and cam went in, they play, they scored the, the flea flicker touchdown on. I mean, they're just very good at finding the mismatch on a specific play, whether it's, you know, a receiver on a, on a linebacker or a new corner in the game, what, what have you. So, I don't think there's, you know, a couple. I would like to see more four-man front. I think we need to run the ball, try to run the ball on the edges a little bit more. 
Um, obviously, if Dez plays and is at full strength, that will be part of the game because that's, I mean, that's what we do with him. I would also think that maybe or I would like to see you know, Trey Tucker even get more than you know his one jet sweep type play. Like, do it, use it a couple times. I think they need we need to get them more spread out. Um, get them moving a little bit more. I don't think, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. It's only, I think, happened four times with the back-to-back game. So I don't think, I don't think you really do a whole lot different. You try to fix a couple areas, but I can't imagine they're going to walk in with some, like, totally different game plan where they're installing a bunch of stuff they haven't worked on this year. I think it's just you try to do play your best on their best and hope that Dez is full go and he, he gives you a, an added dimension in the run game. Yeah, and from people I talked to, um, Dez is, is back to practicing full and looks much more healthy than he did the last couple weeks. Um, I think the key right now is you have a starting quarterback that has been out a couple weeks, you've got to get that timing back as quickly as possible. Um, so that's what they're going to have to determine this week in practice. Because Lucas made it very clear, and I, and I 100% believe him on this. Dez is his starting quarterback. And if Dez is healthy, Dez is going to be out there. And I... it's, not, it's not going to be a platoon situation. It's going to be Desmond Ritter's starting quarterback. So he's got to get back to not only 100%, but got to get back into that rhythm with his, uh, with his targets, because I think that's what suffered as much as anything with his injury. Yeah. And I, I agree, you know, he's 21 and three as a quarterback. Like that's, that's your guy. He's healthy. He plays now because this is kind of an interesting situation, you know, as we're assuming winner take all for the combo birth and you saw what Ben could do, how, you know, if Dez isn't on his game or you think he is still nursing that shoulder, like how quick do you make a move? Do you make a move? Like, I mean, I, I, I would hope that you don't ride, you know, continue to play him if he's ineffective in this situation and you think you can, put Ben in and he can, you know, if you get down or what have you, but it was just an, it's just an interesting and unique situation that really never happened. So, you know, I think it's kind of like one of those deals where all options are likely on the, on the table to try to get the win. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Des still looks hurt and is not effective, the difference now is you've seen Ben. There is a comfort with Ben. If Des takes a shot and we're in a situation similar to South Florida, it's easier to pull the trigger on Ben now because you know he can go in there and do it and not be – the moment's not too big for him. So I think well, and there's this huge for that, that, that specific right. meaning. And there's just the finality of the, the end of the regular season. Like if, if you put – if you put Ben in against USF and 
it goes to hell, and you're, you're not even in this spot, possibly. So you trust Dez when he says, I'm good, and you just figure out a way to get the win. Now it's like, we're just, you know, we're, we're you know, it's almost like a, a, I kind of picture it almost like a playoff baseball game. Like, your starter goes as many innings as he goes until you feel like you need to make a move because the game is, is slipping away, if that's the case. So, but I, you know, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, he's, he's the quarterback. He gives them a dimension that I think anybody watching the game last week saw that they missed and Memphis exploited, knowing that that's not what Ben is in there to do. And so hopefully if Dez can generate enough passing, then the running game should be better because of what he's able to do in that regard. And I will agree with one thing you said earlier. Um, Defensively, I think it was huge for them to get the speed of Memphis in their brains. Because I, I do think, other than maybe UCF, Memphis has a different level of, well, in Ohio State, obviously, but Memphis has a different level of speed that comes at you than anybody else that they've played. And, well, and I think it, they use, it, different, they use yeah. it a lot differently than UCF, too. Like, UCF just either throws the ball deep or, or throws screen passes. Memphis, like, has guys in real routes, has wide receivers playing running back, you know, is doing a lot of a lot of different things, trying to get mismatches where I think UCF just was like, you know, we're just going to line Gabe Davis up and Trey Nixon, and we're just going to throw it deep. And we're going to snap as fast as we can. Right. It's just a different it's a different style of offense. There's a tight end. They run the ball um, in more of a pro-style attack. But so I think they, they got hit a little bit, but then – Quickly, reco- quickly recovered. Yeah, I mean, they held them. <laughs> what was it? Fifteen. I mean, offensively, they scored twenty-seven. They're averaging forty-two. So, but again, and really twenty. I mean, you, yeah, the flea flicker counts, but like, their 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 special teams is still great. So we're still going to have to to shore that up. You can't you can't be giving away. You know, I, it, you know it's an obvious statement. <laughs> you can't be giving up special teams plays like that and expect to win. So it's going to take a a big full effort by by everybody. But I don't. I clearly don't think it's it's out of the realm. No, I don't think it's out of the realm at all. I mean, I they showed very much. They can go into Memphis, hang right with them. That was a three point game. With four minutes left. Should, should we talk about the field goal or non-field goal attempt? I mean, we can. I I didn't. I don't like it. I didn't fully agree with it. But that's what Luke Fickle does. In, right. And in I, situations I like that, that, he goes for it on fourth and short inside the red zone. I, I, I definitely thought it was a situation where they kicked the field goal. But right, I mean my 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 thinking behind it is and I I will always 
be supportive of aggressive college coaches. I mean, I've seen way too, we've seen way too many coaches on fourth and short or fourth at medium from your opponent's 40 yard line punting the ball. So I'm, I'm never going to besmirch someone for being aggressive. I just felt in that situation where you would, you would take it a punch and you had got back in it. You're late in the third quarter. You have turned the ball over two possessions in a row and kept them from scoring. Drive it all the way down there. You you kick that field goal there. It's twenty to twenty. No matter what Memphis does, and this is the like the kind of the analytical part of it is no matter what Memphis does on that next drive, you're still only down one score. They're probably not yeah. going for two if they score. So you're down seven points. But you had just stopped them twice in a row. You now have tied the game. You're kicking off. They're more they had outside of that initial kickoff return. You had they had not pooch kicked, but but put a lot of air under that. They had fair caught pretty much. I want to say every other kickoff after the opening kickoff. I think so they tried likely to take one more back and got stopped at the twenty. So likely they're starting at the twenty-five, and I just. In that particular situation, I know. I just would have loved to see it tied up, basically a quarter left. Because you, here's my other thing: is you tie that up, and you look at your guys and you go, guys, this is nothing new for us. We've been in this situation for the last month, and whether it be our ability, our luck, what what have you, we've gotten it done. These guys haven't been in this situation. How are they going to handle it? Like, they're the last month outside of the Tulsa game, they beat everybody by 20 to 30. So I would have liked to have seen putting some pressure on them at home, being like, damn, we were up 17 to 3, and now it's 20 to 20. And these guys are, they're used to playing close games, and they know how to, how to get it done, and we haven't. So what happens at that point? I know. Like I said, my gut reaction was kick, take the points, kick the field goal. But I also just, it's, it's how fickle. Like he's, he's going to be aggressive there. And I, you know, and, and the thing that you can say is, okay, you didn't get it. We'll stop him. Don't let him go in an 85 yard drive to score a touchdown. Cause I mean, they stopped, they stopped us, but it was on about what? 12 yard line, 15 yard line. Yep. So, hey, defense, stop him. So I, I understand, you know, I see that side of it too. Like, you got a good defense and you're like, okay, we we gave him the ball, but now they got to go a long way to score. They just, they happen to get the touchdown on that specific drive, so. But they still, the, the one that really, what really stood out to me in looking back at that game, the the biggest missed opportunity for me you get the Gardner interception, seven-plus minutes left, you're down three, and you go three and out. Yeah. And well, they then, did that on – they did that in the in the first half as well, I think, when they – when Memphis went forward on fourth down. Yeah. Um, you know, and didn't get it, and they gave it right back to them. And that – for me, that was just a killer. Like, you got the pick – you stopped them. You got it was what like the thirty yard line. 
Yeah, um, somewhere, somewhere in there. Between, probably between 30 and 40, I think. You had an opportunity right there. You go down there and take the lead. Now Memphis is starting to panic. And instead, oh. you go three and out. It, it just, that was a killer. That was a killer. Yeah, I mean, that's like I said. I think they were on the verge of taking c- control to where a team that's not used to being in that situation now finds themselves in that spot against a team that is very, very comfortable in that situation. And, and who knows what happens at that point. All right, Dave, let's do it. It's the trace Pautas prediction of the week. Trace Pautas sells fresh roasted coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans has the roast date clearly printed on it. So, you know, your coffee is fresh. How do you find it? You go to www.tracepontas.com slash coffee, T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S.com slash coffee. All orders are roasted fresh and shipped out immediately. They come in 12 ounce bags, both whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. And what you do, you go to the website, you pick a subscription. Every one, two, or four weeks, you get your delivery. And then you go to checkout. At checkout, you enter Bearcats. And when you enter Bearcats at checkout, 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription. Dave, who wins the American Athletic Association championship game? Well, we... Conference, not association, sorry. What? We, we, we can't overlook the fact that I picked all... 12 regular season games, correct. You did. Not by score. I missed but, one. Which is pretty good, considering my track record. Um, but we did not, in the preseason, pick a winner, to my knowledge, of the conference championship game. So I have no no previous pick that I need to you know stick with to try to make myself look smart is a very difficult task. So, in that case, I'm just going to be a homer and say Des Ritter is healthy enough. The defense makes a few adjustments. They don't give up a kickoff return. He makes enough plays with his arm, makes several plays with his legs, and the Bearcats are partying on Beale Street 30-27. to 27. I think I'm with you in picking a Cincinnati win. Actually, I'm going to say 31 to 27 because I don't think we'll attempt three field goals. Good point. So I'm going to say 30, 31 to 27. I'm, I'm going to go with you, but I'm going to go 28-27 Cincinnati. I think they find a way to get it done. I'm going to go wild, Dave. The difference in the game and Ahmad Gardner pick six. <laughs> that would be something. Seriously, let, no. the, the picks are in. Let's, the, fir, let's... The, fir, the, fir, the first team, all AAC freshman corner. Who was like this? He was literally this, the number six corner coming into camp. Well, you had, you had Kobe, you had Arquan, 
Yep. You had Cam. Yep. You had, at that point, you had Taj Ward. Yep. Justin Harris was ahead of him. And Justin Harris, yep. Him and him and Sauce were, you know, About five, even. six, six, five. Yeah. But yeah. He's the number six guy coming into camp. The third team All American, first team All Conference freshman. It's unbelievable. Pro football focus. Pro football focus. Third team on first yes. and third. Like for for those that, that don't know, we're not saying like AP third right. team All American. But for a while, was graded out as Pro Football Focus's number one corner in the country. Yeah, and you can see it on Saturdays. Like he looks different than everybody else. Well, they specifically went to Coxie for the deciding touchdown when he was out of the game. Yeah. Coxie's two big plays. I mean, he had several catches. But his two big plays were from the slot with Terry Young on him and outside when Sauce went out with a slight injury and Cam came in. Other than that, Gardner pretty much locked him up. It's amazing how good he is. Seven Bearcats, first team all-conference. That's amazing. Two Bearcats, second team all-conference. Five of the 11 defenders on the first team were Bearcats. If that's not a Pro, testament... Program, program record. If that's not a testament to Marcus Freeman, I don't know what is. And you had it at every level. Elijah Ponder on the defensive line. Brian Wright and Perry Young at linebacker. Derek Forrest at safety. Ahmad Gardner. At corner. And then I feel Javon pretty Hicks confident at, in saying that if Wiggins wasn't hurt this year, him and Forrest would have been the starting safeties. Yeah, I mean, I could see they might have. There might have been some horse trading there, and Forrest yeah. ends up second. Wiggins for whatever, but Javon Hicks was honorable mention. He was right behind the right behind the bunch, filling in for for Wiggins. And then you had uh, James Smith, second team, Sam Crosa, honorable mention, and Mike Warren, second team. Pretty good haul for the Bearcats on the uh, first and second teams for the American Athletic Conference. Absolutely. I'm wondering, though, do we need to rename the Fran Dunphy Memorial AAC Coach of the Year Award now since he's retired to the Ken Neon Musadololo Memorial Coach of the Year Award because somehow he's won it three out of the last five years. How does okay? Let's let's take Luke Fickle out of the like. How, how, how does, does Sonny Mike Dykes Norvell not win it? Yeah, Sonny Dykes, Mike no, Norvell. SMU. How does Sonny Dykes not win it? Yeah, SMU hasn't been good in thirty freaking years. And they were in it until the the second to last weekend. <laughs> like how does he? How does he not win it? Like, Mike Norvell winning it, they were picked to win their division. Like, that's not a surprise. Same thing with UC. Like, I wouldn't say Luke did, like, you know, he did a good coaching job. You have to be a good coach to go 10-2. and But, like, wasn't some, like, oh, they were picked to finish fifth and they went 10-2. and Like, SMU has been terrible forever. And he doesn't win the award. I don't know. This this league and their coaching (laughs) awards is very strange. 
It's, it's not usual. All right. The other the other topic of the week, Dave. It's Crosstown Shootout Week. Wait, what? Crosstown, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Cross, Crosstown Shootout Week. Um, the Inquirer wrote, published their article today. The shootout has lost its luster, so we know it's shootout week. Um, this time it was from Jason Williams and not Paul Doherty. Doherty couldn't Don't they make just, it, so... like, change the byline and the dates and just republish the same story? Yeah, basically. He said the same thing. Like, um, I haven't watched oh, the Tonics. I'm not going to lie. Why? What? Why is that? Because the game's in December and football season's still going on? Huh? I wonder if, if it because would have X, some more luster if it was in X February. scheduled the game the same damn day as the freaking AAC championship. Well, of course they did. When when it's at Xavier, the game's in December. When it's at UC, it's in February. Not always. I mean, that's up to ESPN. Last year they wanted it in December, so it was in December. Um. Oh, yeah, I guess that's right. It was. But either way, it stinks. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to handle it yet. I don't know. Like, I struggle enough when I go out to watch one game at a bar. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle watching two. Um, <laughs> Brent is going to the shootout, so we will have coverage live from the shootout. Um, I feel bad for him going to that. Yeah, I decided this year, like, they, I decided it was a, uh, the, the feeling You're tired was, of sitting in, sitting in the rafters? The last, like, behind the last row is where I've sat the last three shootouts. There's the last row, and then there's me. So, I'm going to let Brent experience that. It's his first year. He's a big basketball guy. I'll let him get his first, uh, first shootout as a media member. Um, I mean, I haven't, I just, I haven't watched a ton of X. I haven't, the, the, the way the schedules I, I, are played out. I mean, obviously now, I haven't either. <laughs> I usually do. Um, one, like you see, their games have been freaking impossible to get on TV a lot this year. Um, and they've, you know, the times have counteracted with things going on, other games, so I haven't seen a ton. I mean, it, you know what they have from their their main four guys. Um, yeah, I mean, here, here's what I know about what they've done so far. They 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 beat Missouri, who is terrible. Yes, uh, they're four and four, and I think they just lost to like, you know, your Abilene Christian or or whatever type team at home. I think I saw a tweet like this is the worst loss in Missouri history or something. It was like a, they were like they're a twenty six point favorite. And they lost. They're they're bad. Um, they had the whatever overtime game with UConn, and they lost to Florida in a in a pretty pretty you know close even game. So I think they're I think the teams the way they're playing right now is probably pretty evenly matched. Um, we just never play good there and this is going to be the most obvious analysis ever but if Jaron Cumberland doesn't play 30 minutes or more we're not going to win that's fair how about that how that's about that for hard hitting hard hitting insider VIP info <laughs> like I mean honestly though like how you don't really need to dig into it that much where he's been hurt 
pretty much for the last three weeks, at some point he's come out of a game. If he doesn't play more than 30 minutes, I cannot possibly see how we win. It would be very difficult. Um, I think they played their best, the, by far their best 40 minutes of the season against Vermont. Uh, oh, first half was definitely the best half. Like, Even the start of the told. second half was really good. Yeah, start, right. But I mean, like a full stretch of 20 minutes. Yeah. Because they've, they've had moments of a good first half or they've had a good second half. But I think that was the best. You know, everything seemed to be they weren't turning the ball over left and right. They were making free throws. You know, shot 48%. Did a really, really good job uh, defensively on Anthony Lamb. Made it really, really hard for him to to do much of anything in the first half. He got it going a little bit in the second, but still um, did a really good job on him. Um, so it'll be interesting because Xavier – you know, they'll tell you that it's just a funk, but I'll tell you that we're like 10 games in and they've made like 10 threes all year. And I'm going to tell you that that means you stink at shooting. Really going out on a limb there, Dave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you have to, you have to parse the, the Homerism, you I, know, I feel you. From yeah. that, you know, I don't know if you can <laughs> say a team is just in a shooting slump when they are like a 20-something percent three-point shooting team. Oh, they're seven for 29 tonight. That's 24.1%. Tell that's they're lighting it up tonight. I mean, if if my team shot that bad from three, they sure as hell ain't getting up 29 of them. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's bizarro world because they're a McCronin team. They, they don't yeah, they've got the athletic dudes that should play defense. And get to the basket and don't shoot well. Yeah. But but you know what that means is that they're gonna go eleven for Demir Demir Bishop. Yeah. Is gonna score like fourteen and hit like three or four threes Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's clock it's clockwork every time. But I mean, we haven't won there since the oh one oh two season, and our best player is nursing several injuries. So. That those two things put together, you know, make me, you know, not I'm not trying to be negative. I just like not very many teams win there, yeah, and they especially don't win there when when their best players hurt. So hopefully I, I think, he can make it through the game, and well, then we'll have a chance. He has think, to be the best player on the floor. I think Jaron plays. I think it ends up. See, I don't think he has to be the best player on the floor. I think he just has to be on the floor and effective. Just because he changes so much. Right. They're just, they're completely different when he's not out there. It opens everything oh. else up. I, I For sure. Let's say Jaron plays and Javen ends up hitting five threes. They can win the game. Without Jaron being being the best player on the floor, um, yeah, I think I think they can. Um, it's I still less think likely. That's... But I think it ends up. I think Jaron ends up playing. I think it ends up being a close game. But I do think 
Xavier figures out a way to win the game at home because they that's just what they do at home. Right. I mean, we would expect kind of the same thing if we were at home. Like, yeah, if it was at Cincinnati, I would say I think Cincinnati wins the game basically for the same reason. I think they figure out a way at home to, to get to the finish line. Yeah. Makes me want to throw up saying that, though. Uh, hey, that's, but that's what the, that's what our loyal subscribers want. They want honest, fair coverage of our teams. Did you see me trying to work a new sponsorship deal? Yeah, are we getting some milkshakes? Is that, what, is that what we're getting? I'm hoping. I'm working on it. UDF yeah, Clifton, I mean, if you're listening. Dave and I really like milkshakes. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big milkshake guy. Chocolate peanut butter. Um, I go straight chocolate. You can you can deliver them to my seats in seat one and two, section <laughs> two eleven. Um. So yeah, just like all our great sponsors during football season, brought brought us beer and hot dogs and hamburgers. I mean, why not? Let's keep the we need a dessert sponsor. We have a. A beverage sponsor. We have a a food sponsor. We need a dessert sponsor. We got a coffee sponsor. I mean, right? We really don't. What does this say about me and you? Like, we only get sponsors from food entities. <laughs> it says exactly what you would think looking at us. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. We probably don't need right. any milkshake sponsors, but you know, Beer. it might be might be too late for that. Beer, food, dessert, coffee. It says exactly what you would think it says. Then we, then we just need like a CBD sponsor. Actually, I had somebody reach out for me today about that. Oh. We're in talks on with that a potential too. CBD sponsor. Wonderful. In talks. So CBD and milkshakes. Like, that's perfect. The perfect winner sponsor for Bearcat Journal. <laughs> that's right. Celebrate your Bearcats victory with a milkshake with some drops of CBD in it. Jesus. All right. My voice is shot. So <laughs> I'm going to get some rest. Finish hey, off better, this. better, better. Uh, yeah. Get some rest. Get that oven preheated. You hear that? Can you hear no. that? No. Yeah. I'm going to finish my glass. Of what bourbon. is that? Bourbon. Oh, <laughs> I've got a chest cold now. So, I mean, what's better for a chest cold than bourbon? That's right. right. Trying to break it up. Don't disagree. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Big week for the Bearcats. We'll have a lot to talk about when you tune in next week. Stay tuned tomorrow. Could be something in the oven. We'll see. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.